KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for plugging into your community tonight with us. That's what we do every weeknight at 6. Coming up, another edition of Music Meets Activism with special guests who are going to join me and celebrate 25 years of The Rose. We're talking about the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center on Broadway in downtown Salt Lake City. It's a hub for emerging and established artists and arts. Later this hour, Linda Smith, founding member and now executive and artistic director of Repertory Dance Theater, which calls the Rose home, will be here. Matt Castillo of Salt Lake County Arts and Culture and uh, Salt Lake County Commissioner at the time, Jim Bradley is supposed to be dropping in to tell the story of the Rose, which involved you know, a lot of folks coming together to support the arts and make the Rose one of the cultural jewels in downtown Salt Lake City. Also on the way, KUER reporter Sage Miller stopping by to break down her latest reporting on water in Utah. The story, Utah can't save or stretch its precious water if it can't super accurately measure it. Yeah, if you can't measure it, did it really happen? And I got another episode of Lake Effect for you, a podcast from the Great Salt Lake Collaborative and our partners at Utah Public Radio out of Logan. Let's start with rallies and resources. Saturday is a big day, folks. If you are bored on Saturday, it's your own damn fault because there is so much to choose from. On Saturday, of course, there is Equality Utah's Allies Gala happening at the Eccles. If you got a ticket, the dress is Cosmic Vogue. I still have no idea what I'm supposed to wear. Mill Creek Arts Festival happening in Mill Creek. It's also the 100th anniversary of the Baldwin Radio Factory, which is where the Mill Creek Arts Festival is happening. So details about that on our Rallies and Resources page. Kensington Street Festival happening on Saturday at Roja Brewing. So much going on. And also the KRCL Vinyl Record Bowl Workshop. We still have some spots. You can go to Rallies and Resources and click the link to sign up. You can stretch a couple of records with us, one for you and one for KRCL. We'll be taking uh, some of those to the 909 Day Block Party and Record Sale here at KRCL on September 9th. More details at krcl.org. On August 30th, free bike registration at Liberty Park from 5 to 7 with Salt Lake City PD. The 31st, it's International Overdose Awareness Day at the Utah State Capitol from 7 to 9. More info about all those events on the Rallies and Resources page of krcl.org. And as I mentioned with Shell, yeah, just a bit ago when she's filling in for eBay, the Bears Ears Grand Staircase Escalante fight is back, folks. Today, Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the District of Utah against President Biden's unlawful designation, as they say, of the Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments. Utah's elected leaders all signed on. So Governor Spencer Cox, Lieutenant Governor, State Auditor, Treasurer, Senate President, House Speaker, U.S. Senators Mike Lee, Mitt Romney, and of course our congressional delegation. They all joined in the lawsuit. And here's a response that I just got from SUA, Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. Let's see, what did they say? They claim it's a lawful use of the Antiquities Act by President Biden to restore the boundaries of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante back in October. And quotes from Director 
Scott Green. Greeny, uh, once again, Utah's political leaders are running roughshod over those who live closest to Utah's national monuments, especially the tribes that have lived here since time in memorial. This lawsuit further ignores the local elected officials in Grand and San Juan counties, where Bears Ears is located, and community leaders in the towns closest to the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, who have registered their support for President Biden's lawful restoration of the original monument boundaries. Unquote. So we'll be following that, doing some shows on it coming up. All right. The Great Salt Lake Collaborative is, oh, a couple dozen news outlets, community partners, shining a light on what's happening with the Great Salt Lake so we can maybe do something about it before it's too late. And one of those things is called Lake Effects, a podcast from the Great Salt Lake Collaborative and our friends at Utah Public Radio. Here we go. David Rosenberg. I'm a professor of water resources management at Utah State University in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering, and I also have a joint appointment at the Utah Water Research Lab. I actually got into Great Salt Lake work because I was working on Lake Ermia, which is in Iran, and we've been hosting Iranians here at Utah State University on collaborations on the two lakes. So one memory that really stands out is driving across the causeway to Antelope Island with my colleague Masood Parsonajad, and it's his first visit to the Great Salt Lake, and then we're realizing, you know, we have some other stuff to do. <laughs> we're not going to actually make it to, to Antelope Island to look around. So we pull off the pavement and park and walk down the embankment and you're hearing the birds squawking and you can smell the salt water and you can also smell another slight decay which you can't really identify. And looking out, it's just water, it's lake bed, it's mirage, it's distant mountains. And Masood, he's just taking this all in, like he's super serene and just really appreciating being there. And, and while I'm there, I'm also thinking about Lake Ermia, which is halfway around the globe. And these two lakes, they're both at historic low levels right now. Snowmelt drives the inflow. There's causeways that separate the lakes into north and south arms. And, you know, those arms have different salinities. And Salt Lake City is named after the Great Salt Lake, and their city of Ermia is named after Lake Ermia. Uh, millions of people live nearby and are breathing the dust from the exposed lake beds. They share so many features. I think they're just embedded in our cultural heritage. They've been around for a really long time. People really care about them and they want to see them there. They don't want to see them disappear. And, you know, to think about connecting what we're doing to millennia ago to now, I think there's a really strong sense of desire to be able to benefit from the lakes the way our previous generations have and hopefully our future generations can. This is Lake Effect from the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. Stay salty, Utah. Yes, stay salty. You can find more stories about the Great Salt Lake on the website for the collaborative, greatsaltlakenews.org. In fact, this next story we're going to talk about, I'm sure, is uh, there's a link there as well. To wrap up rallies and resources, we have some stunt casting. we got Sage Miller from KUER in the studio. Thanks for coming down. I know you were really busy trying to you know, do your job for KUER today. I'm always happy to be in this studio. It's very it's very homey. Yeah, you make been, it homey here. It's homey here. And uh, we want to talk water with you at a lake effect. And the story that you just filed on the 22nd, Utah can't save or stretch its precious water if it can't super accurately measure it. I know that's something that the collaborative as a group have been trying like how do we measure water in this in this desert state? And what did you what did you find that we're able to or not able to do? 
So we're absolutely able to measure water. It's just a question of are we doing it? And do we have the necessary technology to get accurate readings yeah. of said water flows? Do we all use the same yardstick? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Actually, like in that story, uh, the deputy state engineer for the state of Utah, his name is Jared Manning, he says there's about 40 different distribution systems, and they're all based off like what a water commissioner is doing. And a lot of it is a bunch of manual labor. Like they're mm -hmm. physically going out to whatever river or stream or body of water and like manually calculating all of the water flows and the water levels which isn't happening on a very consistent basis so if they if a water commissioner let's say in provo which is one of like the biggest water districts in the state they they're doing it more often than let's say like a smaller water district mm -hmm. is doing because the provo river supplies a lot of water for yeah. a lot of different places for yeah. a lot of different farmers a lot of different households so yeah so you you also talk about a legislative interim com uh, committee hearing that happened earlier uh, this month, and they're trying to get their arms around it and figure out who can divert water and how to update it, bring it current. Yeah. So the state engineer, Teresa Wilhumpson, I, I, I believe that's how you pronounce her last name, she was asked to come in front of the, the, the legislative committee and talk about how the drought is impacting water right holders. And... Uh, a very boring interim committee <laughs> hearing for like a lot of people, but I was enthralled by it. Um, and she talked a lot about what the drought is going to mean for water rights holders and how exactly they're going to have to essentially like ration water based off who has priority to get that water. Um, so there's a thing called a prior appropriations doctrine, which is essentially just a master list of who has the priority to get what amount of water. So if you were the very first person to obtain a water right in the state of Utah, you will get access to that water before anybody else below you. Well, that's Brigham Young, right? Yes. So, <laughs> so um, Nobody will like confirm it, but I did ask. I was like, so does that mean like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, since they were owns here first, the has like a bunch of the water? In terms of who owns the water in our, yeah. the way we construct our society right now, folks. Yeah. So yeah, they're definitely going to get priority to that. Uh, farmers are also going to be really high on that priority list. And so what what the state engineer was saying is let's take the Colorado River for example there's a bunch of tributaries that flow into the Colorado and a water right holder who may be in a who may, may be in the top of the priority list in one tributary may no longer be a priority when they combined all of the tributaries together oh wow so yeah that's exactly what I said when I like <laughs> heard her mess. say it yeah it's it's a mess and they need a thing called a distribution system which is what they use in times of water shortage to figure out who has priority and how they can get X amount of water to them. Um, and that's what they're kind of trying to figure out right now. They don't, they have the, they have some technology and canal companies um, have more of that technology and they can get an accurate reading on the water, the water flows, uh, how far a stream reaches and to ensure if the water is getting where it's intended to go. There's also a mid-August deadline for the Colorado River Basin. It's already passed, and uh, there were supposed to be some hard cuts that happened, and they basically said, okay, we'll just do the cuts we've already been talking about. Where does Utah sit in that? Are we higher up the stream, higher up the tributaries, higher up the list? That's a really great question. I know mm -hmm. that we are a upper basin state, and those and the cuts were to the lower and basin Arizona states. Arizona isn't, right? Yeah, yeah. Arizona, <laughs> Sorry, it was Arizona, AZ. Nevada, and Mexico, yeah. I believe, were the three that had to mm -hmm. 
how to make these cuts. So right now, Utah is spared, but they are genuinely thinking ahead of what are we going to do? Because at this point, it's kind of inevitable, right? Like, there's not more water in the Colorado. Uh, So I think... At that point, it was incredibly pressing. It still is incredibly pressing, but they have a little bit more time to figure out the logistics of it. So as you reported, there are about 40 different distribution systems throughout the state monitored by individual water commissioners. So this is a multi-headed hydra, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. And they're definitely trying to find a way to, or they're trying to, they would like to uh, have a more unified system with it all um, to figure out, like like I said earlier, just how much water we have in any said given tributary, any river, any body of water. Um, can, how far does that stream reach? Like, can all the far, like, will the stream actually reach to be able to mm. produce water for agriculture um and if that water is actually getting to where it needs to go and what i was when i was talking to deputy manning about it he says you know like right now we're like we're pretty okay and they have strong distribution systems for the bodies of water that they've already needed to make cuts with Mm. um but that's coming it's becoming more of a problem statewide it's not just being able to pick and choose which which streams are struggling to flow um so they want to kind of bolster their their measurements and their readings to kind of deal with this inevitability of water shortages throughout the entirety of the state and a big part of your story was again the fact that hb 33 the in-stream flow bill was passed right yeah okay yeah so why does this matter to you and me when we turn on our tab yeah so hb 33 it was like a quick debrief was this in-stream flow bill that if you listen to politicians in utah talk about it all they they're they're very much so celebrating it as high five in each yeah, other right like incredible change in utah water law and that essentially is just allowing water right holders to lease their water if they're not using it or give it to a natural land like Great Salt Lake. So Mm -hmm. it was essentially, it is a a solution to the Great Salt Lake to helping preserve it and save it and get water levels back up. But the issue that we're seeing is since we don't have very strong distribution systems or accounting models for distribution systems, which is being able to accurately measure Mm -hmm. water, um, we don't actually know if that water can actually make it to the Great Salt Lake. Well, and it's the same problem we're hearing on the Colorado, uh, the drawdowns that we're talking about there. If farther down the Colorado, folks are making cuts, but people upstream aren't it doesn't matter yeah there it, yeah it becomes kind of like wishy-washy you're like is this actually happening is there is it actually to- getting to the great salt lake yeah yeah and when i was talking to deputy manning he says you know the 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 big bodies of water that have really great um technology built into it one of the one things that they're looking at is called telemetry and it's essentially just like this laser that reads water levels stream reach and if it's getting where it needs to go in real time Mm -hmm. and it kind of removes the the manual labor of going out and trying to physically calculate if it's doing that and uh, i was talking to emily lewis who's a water law attorney and professor at the university of utah and podcaster yeah and podcaster she's a woman of many many talents truly um don't understand how she still sleeps at night like she does (laughs) so much stuff um but she was talking about how um i know that the bear river canal company has uh, telemetry installed in a 
the Bear River, and they are able to check water levels like every six minutes. Wow. And it's just essentially like synchronized. It goes into their data system. But the issue, Emily says, uh, is it's essentially just stopping there. Like we do have this data, but none of it's really making its way to the state. Mm-hmm. And so while the Bear River Canal Company has a telemetry system in place, that doesn't mean that the state of Utah does. Exactly. <laughs> so well, there's a bunch of money that supposedly the Biden administration and the Inflation Reduction Act is dedicated to these issues of water in the West. And of course, was it Mitt Romney that wants a bunch of money at the federal level to yeah. study the situation? It's it's all of them. They're all on board. Yeah, they're all, all on board. All the U.S. Delega- I mean, all the Utah. U.S. Utah delegation. Yeah, there you go, the federal delegation. So, what are you looking to cover next? Because this story, it's it's never ending. Yeah, um, I would really like to stay updated to see uh, if if the if the let. I, I like learned that the the funding mechanisms for the Utah Division of Water Rights is a little different than what you would normally think of like a division going to Congress and being like, hey, we want this money appropriated to us. They do it a little bit differently where they go to the governor, they go to the governor's office and the governor kind of helps like propose a budget and then that budget gets sent to the legislature. So right now they're not really talking figures, money figures of how much it's going to cost in order to install all of this telemetry systems. Um, But they are, you know, talking about it more and getting more in the works. And then the other issue comes in of like trying to figure out how to do that with groundwater, because Mm -hmm. right now we have it with surface water, but groundwater is a whole different ballgame that they're just now starting to have to grapple with as our water shortages become more dire. so gonna gonna keep updated on that and see what's going on and i know that the legislature has a bunch of bills so i'm told it's pretty ambiguous uh that they're going to introduce this coming legislative session so i'll keep a close eye on if there's going to be any other changes to water law or if there's any other technology they think will help ease the drought well i think we should go out with a song from your personal playlist what you got oh we got we got water me by lizzo (laughs) very fitting i think it's a good pick thank you so much for coming down Thank you. Lizzo, KRCL. The Utah Division of Services for People with Disabilities helps people with disabilities live their best, most independent life by providing services such as employment and independent living in their communities. Learn more at dspd.utah.gov. Save the date. KRCL's 909-day block party and record sale is coming up on September 9th, and we'd love to see you there. We recently moved our studios into the thriving and diverse Guadalupe neighborhood, and we're inviting you to come down and check out our new space. Plus, get to know some of our new neighbors and do some record digging as we welcome back the annual KRCL record sale. The 909-day block party and record sale, Friday, September 9th, 4 to 8 p.m. at KRCL. Details at krcl.org. Hope to see you here. Come on down and have a good time with us on 909 Day. Lots of stuff to do and eat and see. So we look forward to having you down here at our new our new station here in the Guadalupe neighborhood, 509 West, 300 North. Just a couple blocks west of West High, if you know the area. I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive. Coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by two hours of punk and ska with Liz and her Rude Awakening show, Maximum Distortion with Forgash and Cody D at 10.30, Utah's only heavy metal show, longest running as well. And John Florence starts your brand new day at 6 a.m. Actually, folks are sitting in for him. He's under the weather. So, John, we wish you a well and a speedy return. 
If you've missed any show, the last two weeks available on demand at our website, krcl.org. Well, coming up this weekend, so much stuff going on. And one of the things you can do is party at the Rose because the Rose is 25. We're talking about the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center on Broadway in downtown Salt Lake City. And joining me for a round of Music Meets Activism on this topic, we have with us founding member of Repertory Dance Theater, Linda Smith. How you doing, Linda? Just great. Thanks for inviting me to be here. Absolutely. I always love it when you come in. You're going to be telling us some stories because... I've got uh, too many stories. Yes, you do. <laughs> but as a founding member of RDT, your your company's history spans a lot of development in downtown Salt Lake City, and you became part of that in encouraging what eventually became the Rose. So I'm curious how those two histories line up. And then from Salt Lake County Arts and Culture, we have Matt Castillo. Hi, how you doing? Great. So happy to be here, Laura. Thanks for coming in. And the, the Rose is in the uh, portfolio of the county, right? Yeah, so the county um, uh, owns and operates a lot of amazing venues, the Rose Wagner. Um, we're so excited to celebrate this weekend, but also Capitol Theater, Eccles Theater, Bravenel Hall, and uh, Mid Valley Performing Arts Center out in Taylorsville is our newest theater. And maybe you can give us the justification for why the county has all these arts and culture facilities, why we've decided as a society, as a community, to invest tax dollars in arts and culture. Well, I um, could go on about how great arts and culture is all, all day long. I mean, I think it's just because um, arts and culture are one of the things that make living in Salt Lake County um, so amazing. You know, you think about the, the favorite places you've gone to visit and, you know, one of the favorite things for me and I think for a lot of people is, you know, the art, the culture, the performances, um, public art, all those things. And um, that's why I... Uh, love Salt Lake City, Salt Lake County. I've tried to move away a couple times and I always get drawn <laughs> back because it is such a vibrant place. Well, I went to the opening of the new facility in Taylorsville and uh, a friend of mine was like, come on, let's go check it out, see what's down there, check out the new facility. It's beautiful. But what really captivated me was RDT and it was the history, I believe, of, of modern dance. Is that the performance that you did out there? Oh, yes. You, were you there? Yeah. That's great. It was yeah. fantastic. And the stories that you told, in fact, you were the MC, as I recall. I believe I was. <laughs> and the uh, dancers taking us through the different uh, ages of dance. And you've got something special planned for the Rose 25th on Saturday as well. Well, first of all, I can't believe it's 25 years. We <laughs> moved into the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center 25 years ago. and uh, But... That was a it was a long journey getting there. Yeah, so repertory dance theater, RDT, as many folks know it, um, long and storied career, one of the arts groups that is um, housed at the Rose. But you didn't start there. We you didn't start there. We were founded in 1966, a wonderful partnership. Uh, the Rockefeller Foundation partnered with the University of Utah and then the Salt Lake community to uh, found a new bold experiment which uh, became Repertory Dance Theater and I was one of the founding members. So in the beginning, for the first 26 years, we were housed in an old World War II barracks building up at the medical center uh, on the hill above the University of Utah. And I always say it was nestled in between the inbred rodent colony and artificial <laughs> organs, which it was. <laughs> was it a Quonset hut, one of those old ones? It was, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't even that big. But uh, it, was, it was home, and it was wonderful. Yeah. And we were so grateful. It was our own little building uh, exclusively for our offices, production space, and our uh, 
uh, studios. Well, we learned in the early 80s, 1980s, that is, that um, that building was going to come down. The barracks buildings were practically falling down, but it was going to come down because they were expanding. So we started to dream, where are we going to be? On and on. And uh, it, it, we actually formed a, a committee we used to call the Space Patrol uh, to try to help us find a new home. How many did you look at? Well, my husband and I, with measuring tapes and flashlights, we looked at over 100 buildings. We surveyed them. Is this, and, and usually old warehouses, mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, wherever warehouses are in, in the valley, um, because they're clear span and you can run and jump and leap and have a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of uh, area for, for movement. Um, so we, but our dreams kept growing oh, wouldn't it be nice if then we had a black box theater? Wouldn't it be nice if we had a... So a wonderful businessman um, from gastronomy, um, Mr. Williams, uh, had a conversation with me. The late John Williams. The late John Williams. And he said, "Uh, you've got a lot of big dreams, but you're not going to realize those dreams unless you find some partners because it's too big a dream for one uh, organization. But we think you should be downtown. Where would you like to be if you were downtown? What would be your dream? And I said, Third South, Broadway, right around the corner from the Capitol Theater. Well, that happened to be the building in my dreams. It was called the Restaurant Equipment Supply. I, it took Do you me a minute to that? remember it. Now, here's I remember how Bandaloops on the corner. Bandaloops, great coffee mm-hmm. shop, and of course, right across the street, Squatters. Mm-hmm. So Rose, <laughs> the Rose, you know, is known as the is the building across some squatters now, but, but it's more than that. Um, so it was a long journey where we formed um, uh, an organization called the PAC. And uh, then, in the meantime, the barracks building came down. We, we moved into where? The restaurant equipment supply. And third half, it was for lease. And so um, we moved in with the dance floor and started to uh, rehearse. And while we started to say, how long can we do this? We need, you know, we need to expand, and, uh, et cetera. And then, uh, do you want to hear this? This I is do. a long story. Hey, we got time. <laughs> well, um, then we had this wonderful relationship with the county because we were uh, performing in the Capitol Theater. But the Capitol Theater wasn't big enough to, to house all the groups that needed space. Yeah. Of We're course. talking about Ballet West and and Utah Opera, Utah Opera. and and all the traveling shows, etc. So um, there needed to be another facility, and um, I contacted Jim Bradley, who was Commissioner Ooh. Bradley. We're still hoping he can make it over here. I hope he can, and um, he he listened to our vision, and finally um, he said, "Well, maybe the county." could buy the building if the PAC would raise the money. PAC Performing Arts. Performing Arts Coalition, this nonprofit that we had um, created to help us find a new home and raise money. And not just a new home home for you, but for multiple arts organizations. Well, really, that was was the dream that we could really have a spectacular building if it was, um, you know, utilized by more than than one organization. So a public-private partnership was formed. But then something magical happened. Izzy Wagner. 
Tell hey, us about Izzy Wagner. You want to hear this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. This. I'll, I'll, because this is also the changing face of downtown. If you think back to the yes. 80s, folks, and what was there then and what is there now, this is where that transformation starts yes. with arts and culture leading the way. It was a kind of a derelict area. Mm. And so here we were in the restaurant equipment supply rehearsing, and we would have to kind of step over the people sleeping in the doorway every morning. Um, but uh, for many, many weeks, we would see this nice old man kind of come by and peer in the window, and sometimes he would come in and watch the, the rehearsals, and I would try to corner him. But one day I was able to corner him because I thought he was a vagrant looking for a place to sleep. I didn't know who he was. So I cornered him and said... Uh, um, you must like dance. You're here quite often. And he said, I love dance. My wife was a vaudeville dancer. I said, oh, how wonderful. I said, well, you're welcome to, to watch any rehearsal. I just wanted to see who you were. Uh, you must live around here. And he gestured, this is my home. I said, I'm from Utah, too. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, 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 this is my home. I said, Salt Lake, uh, yeah. He said, no, this was my home. My family's home was right here on this site. I couldn't wow. believe it. I said, that is fabulous. And I said, well, you're welcome to visit the site of your old home. And he said, but, but then our home had to be destroyed because we built the factory here. And I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a vagrant. You build a factory? What are you it's talking about? The factory <laughs> so I said, what's your name? And he said, Izzy Wagner. And I knew the name, and I know that Izzy was a very successful businessman. So we shared our dream with Izzy, and um, w he was the lead donor, and he he caught the vision, and uh, he, had, he didn't have children. He was very successful, and he wanted to build a monument uh, to honor his mother, Rose Wagner, his um, beautiful vaudeville wife. Janae Wagner, the Janae Wagner Theaters in the Rose Wagner building, and Leona Wagner is the 500-seat theater, was named after his sister, Leona. So it was to honor his, his family, but also he loved the West Side. That was his neighborhood. And I think he knew the potential of what such a building could mean to that, that area. And when... Uh, the county came on board and said, yes, this is an important idea. And um, so it was a, a partnership. So that's kind of a long story. But um, 25 years later, here we are uh, enjoying this gem of a building, we call it. Well, stick around, folks. We're going to hear more about what you can do on Saturday at the Rose as it turns 25. And RDT has the birthday en suite. Is that what is? Birthday suit, suit. or suite. Sweet. Whatever, okay. whichever version you want. We're going to hear all about that. But first, some uh, music that you put together for your Music Meets Activism playlist or Music Meets uh, Dance, shall we say. And this is uh, some of the tunes that uh, RDT um, used in a work by... Bill Evans, tell us who Bill Evans was. Bill Evans uh, was one of our dancers from the early years and a very successful choreographer. And we're going to present an evening of his works in the fall. And um, he always selects wonderful music that is very um, comforting and familiar and toe-tapping. And I don't know what you're going to I've play, got from but, Jukebox, um, which he choreographed oh, in 74. Yes, uh, which was... Uh, a wonderful, wonderful piece, 
and um, well, I'm anxious to see which which. Well, I've got a whole bunch of Glenn Miller and Ella Fitzgerald to play, and we'll just uh, pop in and out every now and then and share some more stories about RDT and the Rose turning 25. This is the five o'clock whistle, Glenn Miller, Glenn Miller Orchestra on KRCL. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRC. A little Ella Fitzgerald for you. What's your story, Morning Glory? One of the songs included in the jukebox uh, dance number from RDT, choreographed by Bill Evans in 1974. RDT, Linda Smith is here. Also, Matt Castillo from the county and Jim Bradley. Robert County Commissioner, how you doing, sir? Oh, well, I'm doing well, and thank you, and I apologize for being late. That is all right. You this made it This is one here. of those you-can't-get-there-from-here <laughs> <laughs> stories. Linda, grab that other mic, because you were saying earlier that uh, Jim became a partner in making the dream come true. Yeah, he was. Jim was pivotal. I mean, he caught the vision. Uh, well, you, you know what the arts can do for downtown. Well, I was raised right. I had a mother who made me learn that at an early age, and so that that helped. But uh, talk about that a bit as a as a county commissioner. Uh, why that made sense for tax dollars? Well, the, the obligation of government is to serve the people, and service just isn't filling potholes and protecting you with your police force, but it's also providing a an environment that uh, enhances the quality of life. And clearly, parks, recreation, those types of things are quality of life issues. But culture and all forms of culture really are the heart and soul of any community. They really are. Every, every community has a park yeah. uh, or a zoo. But uh, Salt Lake and Utah are so blessed with the number of performing arts and cultural opportunities. We don't deserve it given our population. But I will give credit where it's due. <laughs> One of the first things the pioneers did when they came over the, the mountain was uh, build social hall. And, you know, that, that kind of set the stage. And uh, uh, very, very important. So anyway, all that said and done, I had a lot of – I'm one of those people who knows a good idea when I hear it, and hopefully others execute it. And uh, that is exactly what happened here. So 25 years ago, was it a hard sell to the rest of your colleagues? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, 25 years ago, we had a commission form of government as opposed to the mayor council now. And the commission is a, is a, can be a beautiful form of government. I only needed one more vote to do anything I wanted. <laughs> so, and I took advantage of it as often as I could. Do you think it would be uh, harder today to get something like the Rose Well, off now the you have a council. Mm-hmm. who has to approve uh, any expenditures through the budget. Yeah. You have a mayor who can veto it if they don't like it uh, uh, and has the administration behind her to execute the plan if it's necessary. So uh, it was it was a, a different form of government, and if uh, you have the right people in it, uh, it can be very effective and, very, and it can happen very quickly. Now, unfortunately, this didn't happen as quick as we would have liked. Yeah. Uh, I know that RDT is such a wonderful organization, and Linda Smith deserves a great deal of credit. I mean, pro- almost all of it, um, but so does uh, uh, others, and we, we can mention them later. And I, I, you've mentioned a lot of them already as I was listening as I came down. Oh, we heard the story about Izzy. Oh yes, yeah. and and Izzy was one of my favorites as well. Um, just an unbelievably marvelous man, a giant of this community, 
and uh, it cannot be replaced ever. Mm. Uh, you can try, but you can't do it. I mean, just a, a magnificent person. So it took a bit of doing, finally got done, and oh, 25 years ago, yes. opened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, now, I was not in office when it opened. Mm. I got the ball rolling, and that was good. Uh, but uh, Brett Overson, who uh, uh, was on the, uh, the commission, and I believe he was chairman uh, after I left, uh, saw that it was done, and a great deal of credit goes to him. I don't know if that had anything to do with the fact that his wife, who's the mayor of Taylorsville, now has one of these as well, but <laughs> it might. We talked about the new one earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, lots of the, fun stuff planned yeah. for Saturday. Matt, I'm going to have you grab that microphone and share some of what's going on that the county has planned to celebrate 25 years of the Rose in downtown Salt Lake. Yeah, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned. So from 10 to 2 at Rose Wagner, um, we've got... Uh, lots of free performances happening. Uh, we've got some fun interactive art installations. Uh, we're encouraging people to come down and tell their stories of their first time at Rose Wagner, a performance they were in at Rose Wagner. Um, so you can come and experience it, share your own story, or just kind of be there and, and witness it all. We've got uh, a new mural that we commissioned, a collage wall of all of some amazing posters from over the last 25 years of Rose Wagner. Um, so you can do all that during the day while you're downtown visiting the farmer's market, then come over and see Rose Wagner. Um, and then in the evening, uh, the kind of the whole thing is culminating in uh, Rose Exposed, which is this amazing event um, featuring all of the resident companies of uh, Rose Wagner, including uh, Linda Smith's company, Rose uh, Repertory Dance Theater. We're going to hear all about that after another Ella tune. We're going to take the a train and keep talking about the rose 25 years old this year ella fitzgerald on krcl just a little taste of the a train with ella fitzgerald here on krcl's radio active we're talking about the rose 25 Turn to 25, big party planned this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2, downtown at the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center on 3rd South, also known as Broadway. The building across from Squatters, as Linda was saying earlier. We've got uh, former Salt Lake County Commissioner uh, Jim Bradley in the studio. And county's kind of an unsung hero, you were saying, on on. Uh, well, yes, I, I think, you know, I, I have been I have been uh, in county government for quite some time. Uh uh, but I, and, and so I, I see all the good that is done through the county, and for whatever reason, I think in part because we collect taxes, not that we raise taxes, but we collect them for everybody, but that, that, that sours some people in the uh -huh. county. But nevertheless, we have the second big, biggest uh, uh, governmental budget in the state next to the state of Utah, mm. uh, and uh, we spend it very wisely. And I, I want to say, in terms of our arts and culture, that uh, people like Matt, who has a vision of how it's supposed to work and it understands it and, and feels it in his heart and everything else, that has been a tradition in terms of people who are working for the county and wanting to put out those services that I talked about to affect quality of life. Mm. And we have initiated taxes for the people, uh, the Zoo Arts and Parks tax, uh, passed and is very very favored by the public when we ever we have to re-up it every I think three or four years uh, gets a, a significant majority of voting for it we instigated a 1% for the arts restaurant tax 
So people are willing to pay. Nobody complains about those taxes because they know where it's going. Yeah. And it's going to the arts and culture. Exactly. Matt Castillo, you can share some numbers actually on how big arts and culture is as a contributor to our GDP. Yeah, so we, uh, Arts and Culture, just recently partnered with the Utah Cultural Alliance and Utah Arts and Museums on a study and found that uh, in 2021, uh, the cultural industry uh, represented uh, close to 10% of county's GDP, uh, more than 5% of the county's jobs, um, which is pretty amazing. And I think, um, you know, those are really powerful figures. And, um, and we're talking and, 105,000 jobs, 108,000 and right. up. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's what uh, is so great about the arts is that it, it's good for the economy, it's good for the community, um, but it's also good for the soul, you know. And I think that's one thing that um, for me is why Rose Wagner is so meaningful is because it's a space that's for everyone. You know, we have all of our amazing resident companies. Um, How many companies are out of the Rose? Uh, so we have five resident companies right now, Repertory Dance Theater, Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company, um, Plan B Theater, Pygmalion, and Gina Bachauer. But we also have so many other companies um, and arts organizations that come through. Of course, the residents give the, the space its soul, but I, I have just a short list of our, our regular users here. And I mean, Sundance Utah Film Center does Damn These Heels there every year. Um, tumbleweeds, only do tumbleweeds Tumbleweeds. Um, tumbleweeds has been there many times. Um, Nitya Naritya Foundation, um, Samba Fogo, uh, the Warren Millers. Um, all those body, ski productions? Yep, all the the uh, outdoor film yeah. festival, um, Royal Court of the Golden Spike Empire, oh, Salt Dance right. Company. I mean, it's really, everyone has a place there. Pass that mic back over to Linda Smith. And I was going to ask you the first production you saw there, but the first production that happened there was... Repertory Dance Theater's mm -hmm. production. And it was called Premiere because it was the first. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in the Black Box Theater. Uh, and actually, the, the Rose Wagner was built in two uh, sections, let's say. There was, there was the, this, the first phase, which included the Black Box Theater. Get and then that the sucker up, right? Because uh, yeah, we, we needed a home. <laughs> and then the second phase is added the 500-seat uh, theater. But in that Black Box Theater premiere, we created a work um, choreographed by Lynn Wimmer called Essence of Rose, and it told the story of how Rose Wagner created her bag business. I mean, literally, she was a bag lady. By, by that I mean um, she mended bags, she manufactured bags eventually, and uh, of course they invested their money very wisely, but the whole set was of burlap because these were burlap bags. Yeah. And we did a narrative uh, and a, a tribute to the very uh, courageous and industrious Rose Wagner. And then what is happening on Saturday? Well, is the Rose exposed for the 25th? So for the 11th year in a row, um, the PAC, the Performing Arts Coalition, which now uh, is, the, is made up of the resident companies, we decided we better do a collaborative show every year to kind of brand the building. And um, uh, that's one of the benefits of, of having a home where we all perform. We feel connected with one another, and we help and advise one another. And so um, this, this year, we, we always have a theme. And uh, the, the title of The Rose Exposed is Birthday Suit or Suite, depending on how you want to, <laughs> to see it or pronounce it. And each company comes with a little um, 
a bit to contribute to this wonderful evening. And we put it all together on Saturday and have a show on Saturday night. And it's always warm and friendly and uh, live music uh, created by the uh, wonderful musicians um, from the Gina Bachauer International Piano Foundation. And so it's a time that we all get together and remind the community this is a community center. It's a community center. And the celebration, by the way, is for the community. Doors are open. Everyone is welcome. No yes. ticket necessary. And that's another beautiful thing, Jim, that the county can take a bow for. Well, uh, yes, and that, that's, we, we deserve it. I mean, not me, because, <laughs> because there are many other people who did a lot more than I did to see this come to fruition. But yes, the county as a, a local government serving the people deserves a great deal of credit. I thought, Linda, just to, and I'm glad you clarified this when you said Rose exposed in the birthday suit, and I saw that earlier. I thought you were going to dance naked or something. No, we do. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just thinking back over 25 years, and and maybe the two of you can comment on this about you know that dream that you had when you talked to the late John Williams low those many years ago about how to dream bigger, and that I really think is what has led to this um, proliferation of the arts in downtown Salt Lake, is that folks have dared to dream, dared to dream Jim. Yeah, yes. And, the, you know, it was the, the impetus behind building this, this facility was because we didn't have enough stages because of all the art facilities or the art groups in town that needed stage. Because <laughs> you can't, you know, why, why exist if you can't show an audience what you're doing? And... It got so tight. I know my staff at the county was always complaining about, well, several, they're always complaining about everything, but, uh, <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, but the, st the, the, the conflict that was caused by stage time yes. uh, was getting pretty serious. And uh, you didn't want the arts groups fighting with each other because of something. Just build the building. Build Unseemly. more stages. <laughs> Unseemly. One of the things, you're giving back again to the community uh, with the Rose 25th this, this weekend. But you do that year-round as well. There's a lot of work you do with um, students. With Abs Absolutely. And um, all the arts groups really uh, give themselves to the community at large. People of all ages benefit. And um, the PAC groups uh, and what we call the POPs organization, um, uh, we, we, we spend the money wisely and we go into the schools and offer free classes and performances and demonstrations and uh, teacher workshops and find ways to interact with the, the community at large. And it benefits everybody. And you know, when we have choreographers come in from all over the world and they come into that beautiful studio where we uh, rehearse every day, and they're just awestruck. How did this community get this facility, and may I move here? And I said, no, you may not move here. Um, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonder. Uh, Do you still walk in there? Every day. Every day and go, I'm like amazed. 25 years ago? I, I'm, it was far bigger than the dream I had originally, I will tell you, and much more glamorous. Uh, Izzy made sure, he, he kept saying, no, it's, it can't be just a warehouse. It has to have some really wonderful features. And uh, he, he wanted an elegance about it. And so there are parts of the building that are, are the laboratory. That's yes. where the pieces are made. And then there are the beautiful uh, performing facilities which uh, offer something else. But an important part of what the, 
what our organizations all wanted was no cultural barriers in that building. And what do you mean by that? A building where people feel comfortable. They can wear what they want to a performance. The prices are affordable. There are free events as well as some ticketed events, but there are opportunities uh, for everyone. And as I say, uh, for all ages, uh, all abilities, and all economic um, uh, stratas, let's, let's say. And so uh, we fill, fulfill a need in the community. Well, again, Saturday, 10 to 2 at the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center in downtown Salt Lake, a 25th anniversary bash. Lots to do. I'm guessing there'll be some cake at some point because you can't have a birthday party. Oh, I think there's cupcakes at 1230 (laughs) on Saturday. (laughs) I'll be there at 1230 for the cupcakes for sure. And check the show notes tonight, folks. We'll have a link to the event. It's also in rallies and resources. But where can folks connect to RDT? Well, uh, Artix uh, uh, sells our tickets and has information. <laughs> uh, and, of course, um, uh, rdtutah.org. Uh, uh, if we can just plug our wonderful performances, excellent. But um, we're here for you. Absolutely. And, and I look forward more to than that, back. It's not just performances that RDT puts on. Mm-hmm. They provide programming for all kinds of things. My, yes. I have a granddaughter, four and a half years old. You'd, she goes to the Ring Around the Rose. Around the Absolutely rose. loves every everything you put on. And it's such a, such a delight to see the young, very, very young kids starting to get involved in dance or puppetry or whatever it may be. Uh, and, you know, we need to continue to cultivate that, too. The Rose, your tax dollars at work. Jim Bradley, Linda Smith, Max Steele, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. We're going to go out with a song from Three Hat Trio, Utah band this is dust devil because you use them frequently in your performances yes and in the the fall performance uh the end of september uh in uh, quadruple bill bill evans show excellent it's been radioactive i'm laura jones have a great night everybody